progressive, respectful, mentoring, compassionate. These are the values of Palmdale Regional Medical Center. And now we proudly present Palmdale Regional Radio. Here's Melanie Cole. Most people are familiar with the ICU and hospitals. However, they may not be aware of all the services offered at an ICU and what patients and their families can expect when a loved one has to be admitted to the ICU. Here to speak with us today about what an ICU actually is, my guest, Sharon Ormsby. She's a registered nurse and the director of the ICU, PCU, and cath lab at Palmdale Regional Medical Center. Welcome to the show, Sharon. So most people are familiar. They don't want to, you know, hear about an ICU because they're like, ooh, that's terrible intensive care unit. But lay some groundwork for us. What actually is it and what types of patients do you typically have in there? Well, thank you for the welcome. Um, okay, so I typically tell people, um, I'm, I'm a very friendly person. I love to have people come and visit me, but please don't come visit me at work because it is intensive care unit and that means there's a little extra something going on with the patient. And I'd rather visit you out for dinner somewhere maybe, um, but not necessarily at my work. Um, ICU is, um, like I said, more of an intensive kind of care given to the patient. In other words, they have something extra going on. You could have pneumonia, for instance, in a regular medical surgical unit. You could even be on a telemetry unit with pneumonia, or you could be as high as PCU and ICU where you could even be on a ventilator. ICU has patients that are requiring ventilatory support with um, what people typically call a breathing machine. We do life support, so patients that have maybe experienced a heart attack or cardiac arrest and we are able to resuscitate them, they would all come to ICU. Sometimes patients that have just had a heart attack and gone to the cath lab they, and maybe had some stents or something placed, many of those come back for monitoring. So we end up with just the people that need a little bit closer supervision, whether it be uh, an end-of-life, life-and-death situation, or maybe just um, the medications that they require require closer supervision. Patients aren't quite sure and their families are not quite sure what they're allowed to do in the ICU as far as flowers, visiting hours. You know, give us a little bit of patients' families' expectations for the ICU. Sure. Um, yeah, we do have a lot more rules. Uh, we're, like I said, a specialty unit, so we, we do things a little bit differently. Uh, one of the things is that our visitation is longer hours than most areas of the hospital. We do try to restrict it during our report time, which is roughly between 7 and 8 o'clock, both a.m. and p.m., uh, so that we can give a accurate and full report. However, if you are in the unit um, during that time, we will include you in the report answer some of your questions and ask questions of you so we can better take care of your loved one. As far as um, flowers and food and things of that nature, we don't have live flowers or food brought into our unit. It's similar to when you're doing international travel and how they'll always check your fresh produce or any live um, plants because we don't want to have transmission of disease. These patients many times are compromised with their immune system, so they can't really handle anything extra uh, attacking their, their bodies at this time. Food, for the visitors, we also encourage that they not eat at the bedside because, again, this is an area that does have a lot of communicable diseases, and you're not really going to want to, if you think about it. It's not sanitary. It's not a great sanitary environment. It's not the operating room. So um, you're probably not going to want to sit down and have your dinner in here, and we don't allow it anyway. Um, in our 
in our waiting area, you can have some snacks and like bottled or canned drinks, but we really um, don't recommend bringing in like big meals from outside. We do have the cafeteria that has pretty liberal hours, and even if you bring in something from the outside, we recommend you sit in the cafeteria dining room and spread out down there because it's more conducive to that environment anyway. As far as visiting, there's one more um, caveat I forgot to mention, and those are children. And we do typically have people wanting to bring their children in to visit their loved ones, and, and we understand that. However, we don't have any children coming in under the age of 16, and especially if they are, um, if it's the flu season, we don't bring in children under 12, just simply for the reasons of the kids are in schools and they, they pick up other germs and they'll bring them into this environment where the patients are very, very ill. And then also we don't want them picking up um, germs and taking them back home as well. How long might a person actually stay in the ICU typically? And I understand it's certainly dependent <laughs> on whatever the reason is that they're there. But what's the sort of typical? Typically, about a, a four-day stay would be, I guess, on the average. But as you indicated, that can range. We have patients that spend overnight. Maybe they had a cardiac catheterization and, and had some sort of procedure done. They spend the night, and they may even go home the next day or move to another area of the hospital. Um, we have other people that have had very devastating strokes, um, brain bleeds, things of this nature, and they may be on life support for two or three weeks before resolution is, is attained. So at that point, you could, you could be here anything from a day to, to a few weeks. So typically, how many nurses and physicians are available or, you know, assigned to the ICU patient? That's a good question. Um, with the physicians, it varies, just like you had indicated on the length of stay, from, you know, something very simple to something very complicated. You could end up with just one primary physician. If you came in with maybe diabetic ketoacidosis and you were just requiring an insulin drip, maybe your uh, primary physician can handle those orders and, and get you through that disease course and just one physician. Um, likewise, on the under, other end of the spectrum, you could end up having a loved one here with several different uh, complicating factors, and you need some uh, doctor to not only be your primary, but one to manage the ventilatory support, a uh, cardiac doctor, maybe a neuro doctor for the brain injury that may have taken place. So you could end up with easily four doctors on a case. Uh, as far as nursing, that's very um, regulated. A few years back, our governor, Schwarzenegger, put in the nursing uh, ratios, and it is in law now. So in ICU, the most patients one nurse will have is two patients. We do sometimes have a one-on-one -on -one nursing care, and those are for our most critical patients. Wow, that's very encouraging for listeners to hear if they have a loved one in the ICU that you're all so dedicated to each one of the patients. And so now you also have a PCU. What is that? Tell people what that is. The PCU is called the uh, Progressive Care Unit, and it is kind of the step-down intermediary between the ICU and the regular telemetry floor. It also has a mandated ratio of one to three patients, so one nurse with no more than three patients. So it's another um, level of intensive care where we can keep a little bit closer eye on you than having you out on the regular nursing floors in the hospital. Uh, the telemetry floor has one nurse for four patients, for example. 
So instead of just going straight from ICU where it's one to two to doubling the nurse's load, the PCU is that catch-all area where we can just provide a little extra eyes-on, hands-on care before they move on to the next level. So even if someone had a stroke or a pacemaker put in after they're kind of in the clear or in stable condition, then they can be moved to the PCU? Yes. Um, typically, the PCU can handle um, patients that are on that were in the ICU, but they have now stabilized. They've come off of the ventilator. They don't require near the specific care that we needed, the specialty care, I should say, that, that is necessary in the ICU. They don't have to have hourly interventions. Maybe we're down to every two or three hours. So it's, it's a little bit, little bit more relaxed on that care, but still higher level than what you would find in other areas of the hospital. Sharon, we know it certainly depends on what the patient's status is, but when are they transferred out of the ICU and into the next phase of their care? Well, what we um, typically do is on ventilators, they stay in the ICU. So as long as they are requiring a breathing machine to support their, their breathing functions, they will stay in the ICU. But once we can get them off of that, but we're still wanting to keep a really close eye to make sure we don't have to go back on that kind of therapy, the PCU would be a great option there. The other reasons that we would go there is maybe they've been on IV continuous medications to monitor blood pressure and um, heart rate, things of this nature, maybe even the uh, diabetic ketoacidosis patient that's been on a constant insulin drip, but now we're transitioning off of that and they're becoming more stable. Once the medications come off, they can go to the PCU and still get the tighter observation but not have the medications that require the intensive care unit. So it's kind of a nice intermediary before they go to the floor where, they, where the nursing ratios are increased again. And while this is information, Sharon, for another show, would the ICU be a place where advanced directives are discussed with the family, living will, that sort of thing, because you have such seriously critically ill patients? Yes. Um, we actually ask it upon admission to the hospital. So no matter where you're going, if you're um, talking to an admitting person in um, registration, they are going to ask you if you have an advanced directive. It's okay if you don't. They can also ask you at that time, would you like to have someone come and speak to you about it? Now, once you've come to the ICU, it doesn't matter whether those, what the answers to those questions were. I mean, if you have an advanced directive, of course, we're going to ask for a copy and then we'll utilize it when the time is right. We're never going to activate it until that's the situation that the patient is in. However, absolutely, a lot, this is a lot of times the first time families have thought about end-of-life decision-making. And so this is a perfect environment for that. We do have the support here with um, palliative care and with social services and case managers that are very, very well-versed in answering the questions and can help with the end-of-life decision-making. So to wrap it up, Sharon, it's such great information. Do you have anything else you'd like to say about these units that you feel prospective patients or family members should know? I will have to say that I have been a critical care nurse for 25 years, and it has been my absolute love. I fell into it as a brand-new nurse, and I've stayed with it my whole career. It is so exciting for me to be able to take these patients and know them, every single system and every single thing going on with them, because as we mentioned earlier, there, I only ha would have one or two patients. So I know everything about those, those one or two patients. And to be able to be a part of the team and the healthcare team 
and make decisions and, and move them through the system and, and get them better is such a joy. And I have found that to be the case here at Palmdale. The level of care these nurses provide was amazing to me. When I came here and walked down the halls and watched how they interact with the families and the physicians, the level of professionalism was astounding. I couldn't wait to join the team. So um, when you come and visit us here, you're going to get top-notch care, I promise you, and the compassion that this staff has is is amazing. I, I've seen them laugh with the families and cry with the families and enjoy the successes as patients move on to you know, downgrade and, and better areas of the hospital, or if, if it's time for the loved one to move on to, to the next stage in life, you know, the nurses are there to, to hold their hand and help them through that as well. So I'm very, very proud of this team, and, and I think that that's what you will find when you come to visit us. Thank you so much, Sharon, and thank you for all the great work that you do. You're listening to Palmdale Regional Radio with Palmdale Regional Medical Center. For more information, please visit palmdaleregional.com. That's palmdaleregional.com. Physicians are independent practitioners who are not employees or agents of Palmdale Regional Medical Center. The hospital shall not be liable for actions or treatments provided by physicians. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.